From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Monday, December 13th. Planning to visit Arches National Park next year? Well, make sure to pack extra water, a hat, and oh yeah, don't forget your ticket. Arches National Park on Friday announced their decision to implement what they're calling a temporary timed entry reservation system in 2022. That means from April through October next year, you'll need a ticket to enter the park between 6 a.m. and 5 p.m. We're not talking about reserving every hour of every day of the year. This is really trying to get targeted at those times where we're diminishing the visitor experience. Intermountain Public Affairs Chief Marco De Leon in a presentation to local elected officials this fall. For months, National Park Service staff like De Leon have told the public that a reservation system at Arches is coming. They've been looking for a better way to control overcrowding at parking lots and trailheads. Visitation has ballooned by 66% over a recent decade at the park. DeLeon says that's placing additional strain on park resources and negatively impacting visitor experiences. How crowded is so crowded that it really kind of puts you off and you think you wouldn't want to visit, right? And what we found was in some of those peak times, again, early morning, late afternoon, in those peak locations, Delicate Arch, Devil's Garden, and Windows, that we were exceeding that threshold that was established. And so what this shows us is that, in theory, the visitor experience is being diminished. So far, Arches staff has had limited means to control congestion. Once parking lots at trailheads are full, they simply close the entrance gate, sometimes for up to two to three hours per day, telling visitors to try again later. A reservation system would guarantee that visitors with a ticket will get in at a certain time. So we will do a trial run of this process, and then we'll see how effective it is. Public Information Officer Kate Thomas says the pilot-timed entry system is just that, a pilot, meaning they expect to make adjustments to how it works. Arches currently plans to release enough tickets for about 2,700 vehicles per day, but that could change. We'll see how it works, if it does have a positive impact, and we'll use that going forward to help us come up with a longer-term and more formalized Data collected during the 2022 pilot timed entry system will also determine if it's here to stay or if the park pursues other congestion management strategies. Here's De Leon. If it's a complete bust and it doesn't work for Moab, again, it's it's great that we get that information and we'll see how we move forward. You know, if it's too painful, we can walk away. If it's something that's super successful, I think we can only we can only tweak it and make it stronger and, and get more folks on board. Reservations for Arches National Park from April to October can be made at recreation.gov up to three months in advance. So reservations for the month of April will open in January. May reservations will open in February, June in March, and so on. Park staff says for last-minute planners, a limited number of tickets will be available the day before entry, but those are expected to sell out quickly. And there are some exceptions to the timed entry program. Tickets are not required for anyone with camping, backcountry, fiery furnace, or special use permits. They are also not required for anyone with commercial use authorizations. And tribal members may access the park at any time without a timed entry ticket. For more on the timed entry reservation system at Arches National Park, find the show notes of today's news on our website or wherever you get the KZMU News podcast. 
The Environmental Protection Agency has ruled the White Mesa Mill in San Juan County can no longer accept radioactive waste from Superfund sites. Justin Higginbottom speaks with a lawyer who fought for this decision about the mill's future. Ute Mountain Ute Tribe activists have long claimed the country's last uranium mill, operating just a few miles from their land, does not meet environmental standards. In a decision last week, the EPA agreed. The agency called the mill's violation of the Clean Air Act regarding waste taken from Superfund sites egregious. The CERCLA offsite rule, it is meant to make sure that when EPA is cleaning up Superfund sites, that they don't create a new Superfund site by cleaning up another one. So you don't want to move your hazardous materials from one location to another and then create another hazardous situation. That's Scott Clough, the tribe's environmental program manager. The issue is with cell 4B, a reservoir where the mill stores waste. We sent a picture to the EPA in August when we had a flyover there as part of the article that was done in High Country News. The photo on the cover of High Country News shows, shows the issue. We did reach out to the EPA because we've had concerns about their compliance with the law. From the sky, the cell looks like a huge square pond, less than half of it filled with water. The empty part looks coated with a white material. It's that section that worries Clow. He says the mill should have a layer of water covering the entire cell to protect against radon emissions. The EPA's decision could impact the mill's business. It currently receives Superfund material from the Spokane Reservation in Washington. This is a big part of their business now. You know, they, they don't have many if any, mines in operation. They don't mill a lot of conventional ore from their mines. They make a lot of money receiving other byproduct materials, run them through the mill, and then dispose of them there forever. They're trying to sustain their business. We understand that, but we certainly are not excited about the transition in that business to being essentially a more of a disposal facility than a, than a mill. Future business with the Navajo Nation, which is busy cleaning up uranium tailings on their land, could also be impacted, according to Clow. They really want the Navajo materials to go to the mill and to be paid handsomely through uh, Superfund for that purpose. Obviously, with a non-suitability determination, that could very likely change that. We uh, have met with the work group that is trying to determine the fate of those materials from the Navajo cleanup, and we made them aware of our concerns. This could conceivably remove the the mill from their short list of places for those materials to go. Energy Fuels provided a statement saying they were extremely surprised by the letter and called it all a big misunderstanding. The company notes in 2019 the EPA found nothing wrong with the cell in question. The agency hasn't visited the mill since that decision, and Energy Fuels claim the crystalline material in the pond emits radon at levels five times below the legal limits. The EPA, meanwhile, questions whether that material is only crystalline. Here's Clow again. I can tell you that the EPA under Andrew Wheeler is much different than the EPA under Michael Regan. And we appreciate what Mr. Regan and the new regional administrator and the career staff at EPA who have hung in there for the last four years have done. Energy Fuels can appeal the decision, and processing Superfund waste is only one part of their business. Recently, the mill has looked to enter the rare earths element market, producing material used for things like electric car batteries. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News.
Some of the most important researchers and decision makers in Western Water will gather in Las Vegas this week to discuss the future of the Colorado River. Alex Hager, with our partners at KUNC, has more. It's a meeting that's happened every year since the 1940s, but this time around it'll be the first since the federal government declared a water shortage in the basin. Water users are set for some tough discussions about how to divvy up a shrinking supply. Becky Mitchell directs the Colorado Water Conservation Board. We have no choice but to get there. It may be an ugly road. Um, it may be bumpy. There, there may be some issues along the way, but that is the only option. Looming over the conference are the realities of climate change, which is drying up a river that supplies 40 million people throughout the Southwest, and the need to agree on a new set of guidelines before the current rules expire in 2026. I'm Alex Hager. And that's the KZMU News for Monday, December 13th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.